warmest of greetings to you and possibly also the wettest of greetings to you given the story we've got this week and welcome back to Happily Ever Teaching where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Bex, and I'm a primary school teacher from Cambridgeshire. I've experienced teaching across the age range, being a deputy head, and I'm also the curriculum and teaching and learning lead, and I have the privilege of training and releasing the next generation of teachers as well. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in history and geography with this week's folktale from Japan. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Underwater Kingdom. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by Winnie the Witch's very own Corky Paul, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Bex here by exploring the geography of, well, I guess the geography of the underwater world and Japan. Is, is there one of those that you're going to be exploring more with this story? Probably a mixture of both. Okay. So I, I was thinking that obviously the children in our early part of the school, so our early years children to our year two children, they need to have a real understanding of the seven continents of the world and, and the seas that surround it. So that would be a great starting right. place to explore um, the, loca- the location of this story. The setting is, is Japan, so really knowing where Japan is, which continent it's on, which seas surround it, the capital city, um, and some mm-hmm. of in year two, you'd need to be looking at some of the human and physical features of Japan so obviously we have got Japan now and we've got Japan 700 years ago to be contending with as well because the story mm. set 700 years apart with the um, when Hiroshima goes missing in the storm as to when he um, arrives out of the ocean the 700 years have passed so we would also need to be thinking about Japan now and Japan in the past um, and mm. to, in order to help younger children particularly understand that concept we'd also I'd start off by looking at our locality so for me it would be Cambridgeshire now and Cambridgeshire 700 years ago what's changed what's the same and what's different because I think when Hiroshima comes out of the water there's going to be a lot of things that he doesn't understand because obviously our technology and um, all Mm. of the our landscape changes quite significantly in short periods of time let alone hundreds of years well 700 in this in this fact so i think we definitely want to do some looking at um the history as well as the geography you can't look at one without the other actually i've realized with um, with this story story. i love the idea though of doing this in different locations as well because thinking of it actually as you were saying that maybe that's one of the reasons why um the time seems to go so slowly in the underwater world because it just doesn't change Mm. as much as life has on land yeah, I'm sure 700 years ago, the sea, obviously there would be less plastic floating around, <laughs> but they would be um, more or less the same, same types of creatures that, I mean, sharks are supposedly prehistoric, aren't mm. they? So, yeah, you can maybe even look at a comparison there and how different the oceans have become in 700 years and how different the 
the land. Different countries mm. have become in 700 years. Yeah, definitely. And I think with Hiroshima, like looking at the point of where he arrives back and maybe linking mm. that to what we were talking about last week in the English about um, the newspaper article, obviously there'll be lots of things that Hiroshima sees that he won't know mm. what they are. So like planes and and cars and um, like skyscrapers, there'll be lots of things that he will not have seen before that we'll need to explain to him um, in terms that he can understand. So this yeah. is what he used to use to pull your, um, a car is just like a, a motorised vehicle that does what your horse used to do um, in yep, helping you to... Of course, then you'll have to explain yeah. what motorised yeah. means. So lots and lots of <laughs> difficult things um, for, for you yep. to understand. But but really, for our younger children, they need to understand the location of Japan, mm. the continent that it's on, look at some of the human and physical features and be able to... And, and I would then look at Japan now and Japan in the past. Mm. I'd also... Um, this is, again, a topic that I think you could... Or an idea that you could transport into the upper school. Um, so into mm. our... For our year years three to six, or so eight to 11-year-olds. And I think that I would want them to also explore Japan now, Japan 700 years ago, go back and pull mm -hmm. on that prior knowledge that they should have already got from um, their time in Key Stage 1 and also then look at things like the climate of Japan and the um, like tallest mountains, um, looking at like a more in detail the, the maps, so the biggest cities, the coast, and then getting them to, again, compare Japan now and Japan yeah. 700 years ago and do the same with our local area, but look at a bit more detail about the, um, particularly about the climate and the, um, the human and physical features of um, Japan. And then what I would really challenge the children to do is take the story and put it on a different continent. So what would Ooh, be seen, yeah. what creatures would be living under the sea, what changes would have happened in that 700-year period if the story was set, for mm. example. The easiest one that I can think of now is that is Antarctica because a lot will have changed because obviously the ice, but the, um, yeah. ice will have shrunk. We've had global warming. We've had lots of, there'll be lots of change. What animals would yeah. he come into contact with? What would he have rode onto the Dragon Palace? Uh, what would the Dragon mm. Palace have been made out of? There's loads of different things because then it really shows the children's understanding of different continents and different um, uh, countries and what's the yeah. same and what would be different in the story. What would we have to change and what would we what would be the same if we were to write it happening somewhere else? It's also a really fantastic exercise in descriptive language or metaphorical language. Trying to that that idea that you said earlier, trying to describe what you are experiencing using the language of what you know. Mm. So, yes, uh, I, I actually do that a lot when I'm telling this story, when Hiroshima comes out from the water. Um, rather than saying he looked up and he saw a plane, I say something like he looked up and he saw a great, huge metallic bird, but it seemed to have windows in the side and it had wings that weren't moving and it was making an enormous noise. What do you think it could be? Mm. And of course, the, the children are going to know, but it's starting to help them realise that you sometimes need to describe things in a way that your listener and your audience understands. So being able to describe what Japan looks like using the language of the West, but also flipping that on its head mm. and describing what you know, your your own hometown might look like in language and symbols that the Japanese might yeah. recognise. 
and some uh, describing the past in language that we would know today, but doing that the other way around as well, describing today in language they'd know from the past. And I guess you, you've got a great opportunity again to um, to immerse the children in the Japanese culture again in whichever year group mm. in the school. If you've got families in, in your community that um, ha- are Japanese or have Japanese heritage, like, you know, Japanese shop or anything that you can think of in your local community where um, you can get hold of some artefacts or get hold of some mm-hmm. things that are important to the Japanese culture just to help them to really understand where the story is being set. I think that just is... It's so important to understand how different countries are the same and different to um, how we live in our country. So I think it's just it's just a great opportunity to immerse them in culture as well. Fabulous. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Hiroshima will help us create some art. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon!